In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. The Islamic Propagation Office at Rabwa, www.islamhouse.com is pleased to present to you this lecture. What is the presence of life? What is it for? What is the reason for it? And in some way or another way, we find many different religions, many different philosophies fit to provide answers. to these fundamental questions. In the society, the Western society, that in reality is certainly forward and essentially an atheistic, or if not atheistic, certainly secularist society. that it advocates and propagates the ideology of materialism. And this materialistic ideology is backed by scientific theories and in particular the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution tells us that we have our origin in a form, a common ancestor with the ape. And this primate itself has evolved from other creatures which in Far, far, distant past, everything had evolved from this organic truth. And this is what they used to back their materialistic philosophy. The man, according to them, that the human being, according to this ideology, is in fact no more than an animal. An advanced animal, but nonetheless an animal. And everything else is explained in the context of that. Similarly, according to them, the universe itself is a product of some random event. I think it's essential to let us sit down and listen to the case up there on top of the message on the way up and let me know that it is a product of random events. So our brothers and my sisters, what is being put to us at the moment in reality is this idea. That in reality there is no God, there is no need for God, there is no day of judgment, there is no hellfire, there is no paradise. That we in fact in reality are mere, our whole existence is a person. And in reality, the life has no real purpose and no real meaning. 
except the part of the meaning that you happen to want to give it. Which you eat, you drink, you sleep, you seek shelter, you live, you die. That's it. This is one philosophy, one ideology. And atheism, perhaps for the first time in human history, atheism, for perhaps the first time in human history, has actually become what we can describe as a world value system. So we came across and found that to some degree or another degree, people have always believed in the existence of a creator or a creating being. And that pure atheism was something very rare. And this is what we need to have today. What we have to develop on today, to discuss today, and bring up today, is basically two questions. The atheistic ideology, and the other idea is the concept of the understanding that there is a God, there is a creation. That the universe, that life does have a special purpose. Yet within the belief system that believe in the existence of God, there is also a great difference. And we hope that we'll be able to examine some of these differences and draw some confusion for the world. So first of all, what I would like to examine is the argument against and the argument for the belief in the creation. Why? Because this is going to be fundamental to explain the reason and the purpose of our Crazy enough, it won't be atheist claim to take the ground of rationality, of science, of a position where there is a lack of prejudice whereas the believer is supposed to have prejudice. We find in fact that quite often the arguments of the atheists are emotional arguments. The reasons for saying that there is not a God are emotional reasons, not rational reasons. You often find there different arguments like for example well, if there is a God, why is there so much suffering in the world? What are the arguments? If there is a God, how come you have any natural disasters and diseases? And how come some people are crippled and some people are born blind? It doesn't seem to be such a perfect world to me. Rather, it is to be where is the God? How come you have faith and natural disasters and these diseases? And how come some people are crippled and some people are born blind? 
It doesn't seem to be such a perfect world to me. Rather, it seems to be a product of chaos and confusion. This is what they think. However, we will see the futility of this claim, and we will determine why these claims are in fact emotional arguments, not rational ones. And when you listen to the first and foremost, it proves to you that there must be a one. There must be a reason. In fact, that the only possible rational position that can be taken by a human being is that this universe and this world must have a creator. And this creator must be one one. There cannot be more than one such creator. And we know this basically with two different ways. One way is the instinctive way, and the second is the means that we use to reason, or intelligence, or what we can call Aqal and Arabic. And this is exactly the argument based upon the intelligence. And it's a very simple argument. The argument is propounded in a full hand. And it goes like this. Was the universe and everything in it worth it? Did it come from nothing? Did it come from nothing? The first question is what I ask. Did it come from nothing? Let us determine it. Do we ever experience something coming from nothing? In fact, in reality, in the totality of human experience, it would be very hard to find anyone to be able to support this idea that something comes from nothing. Let alone a universe which is working and regulated according to that first law and such subject system. So this is not an alternative. The second possibility is, did it create itself? Did it create itself? Has something created itself? Could it have worked itself into existence? If it didn't exist beforehand, how does it work itself into existence? So I'm using the creation of it. How can something within the creation be the creator of it? Since, it, since that thing itself is part of the creation, it cannot itself be the creator. Human beings themselves be the creator. So what emotion? What is that for the rational mind? Some of the arguments that people bring up were okay, but you know, where is this all shown? I can't see that. I can't see that. Why do I believe in something I can't see? But it's amazing, of course, that these same people believe in a whole range of things they can't see. They can't see the air, they believe in it. They can't see atoms and neutrons and electrons, yet they believe in them. They can't see the light, but they believe in it. 
in fact, there's a whole department of science, a historical science called archaeology. And what an archaeologist does is an archaeologist will go back to the middle of the desert where there are no trees and there is no water. And this archaeologist will gauge in the sand. And then this archaeologist will come up to a pottery. And from this single piece of pottery, this archaeologist will be able to be able to tell you. The state of knowledge, the technological ability of the people who produce this piece of pottery. He will be able to tell you that they must have been able to build ovens and they must have had such and such amount of access to wood and steel or charcoal because in order to heat the ovens up of such and such temperature to produce and to be able to take the clay at this such and such temperature, they must have had this level of knowledge and technology. And more of the supply and more revenue. And we'll be able to tell you so many things about the civilization and the people that produce that piece of poetry without even seeing one of those people. He didn't see the natives, he didn't see the builders, he didn't see them working in that poetry factory. But to him, the existence of this piece of poetry is absolute, complete proof of the existence of the people who made it and also of the level of their technological ability in the In the same way, anybody who observes the world, the synchronizing of the universe and the world in which we live, does not have to see the creator to know the creator. The fact that we find the universe and our world and ourselves working according to such perfect laws is a proof of the existence of the one who made those rules. Because all of the creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the planet, ourselves, the animals, all of them have needs of a creation. We all have a need. And that need is that we need some, something to have organized for the creation. Since it is not possible, it is not possible, and it is far removed from all the realms of probability, that such order would have been a product of chance and coincidence. It is not a possibility. It is not a matter of actual possibility. Evolution is mathematically impossible. Uh, a good mathematician called Charles Eugene Dunn, he calculated the probability of one similar protein molecule as having a coming into existence in charge. And the probability was 10 to the power of 265. And the amount of matter that was needed would have been millions of times bigger than the known universe, and the amount of time that it would have taken 
would it have been 10 to the power of 160 times the length of the existence of your entire university world? And basically, it's the issue that it is the people who deal with this thing. They, they have said that anything that is 1 to the power of 100, 1 to 100, that is so unbelievable that it is literally impossible. So how about 10 to the power of 255? That 10 to 255 zeros after this. One thirteen origin. How about a child that has what, 16 million or 16 million total molecules? Every single one of them organized to produce lungs, ears, and a brain, and a heart, and kidneys. And all the other parts and all the organs, all of them functioning together in an infection. It is not possible. And if you look at the universe and the world around, again, you will find that you see that this is a product of chocolate and It's just unbelievable. There are so many things. So many of the laws of physics. If there are tiny bits of For example, take the planet upon which we are on, the planet Earth. If the planet Earth was closer to the sun, if it was much closer to the sun, but even slightly close to the sun, it would be too hot for light to be If it is too far, it would be too cold for light to be The earth just happens to be going around the sun at the right speed. That's not even what it is. It happens to be going around the sun at the right speed. If it was any faster, if the earth was better than any faster, it would fly off into space. If it is going any slower, it will be sucked in and drive up on the sun. The earth rotates on its axis once every 24 hours. Imagine if the earth rotates on its axis once every 5 months. One surface of the earth will become super heated and the other surface will become super cool and light will not be able to. We have gas in our atmosphere. The ozone layer, which happens to be able to filter out all the harmful effects of the sun's radiation. If that gas is not there, everything would be destroyed on this planet. But the composition of the gases of our atmosphere just happens to be of the right quantity of nitrogen and oxygen and carbon dioxide. If it was pure oxygen, Life depends on oxygen. But if it is pure oxygen, pure oxygen is still in the It must be designated with nitrogen. There is going to be carbon dioxide because the plant needs to breathe in carbon dioxide in order to resist. If these gases were not there, life would not exist. So is it possible that these things are a product of some near random event? There was one great scholar on his plan. He was once invited to a debate by some agents, and he accepted. But he said to them, look, 
Are you debating? But not right now. I will debate you after the sun has set on the far side of such and such river. The wait one hour, the wait two hours, and eventually, the Muslims started their lives. They started thinking, what's up to this? It's supposed to be a Muslim. It's supposed to be on time. What sort of behavior is this? So the Muslims said, look, I didn't intend to be here late, but what happened was when I came to the river, I couldn't find any way to cross. I walked up the river, and I walked down the river, and I couldn't find any ferry boat to get across, I couldn't find any bridge. So I sat down and thought, what am I going to do? And then right in front of my eyes, this tree fell down and divided itself up into planks. And then it popped down from the ground, and rolled a hole in front of my eyes and bubbled through. It put itself in the river. I stood in it, and it took me across. And the Indian said, you don't expect this to believe to this story like that. And the guy said, why not? You want me to believe something even more stupid than the heavens and the earth and the animal creatures in it or a forest of some random event? So that is the future then. And she is the future then. And this is the supreme reasonable position. The inner reality Reason does not allow the human being to believe anything else. The only thing I would say is so, that you have to believe it because we are human beings. We are human beings, so you have to think like that. Yes? Very well. Go and do a to your lot if you want to. We are human beings. If you try and convince yourself that it's anything else, you will never be able to be happy. You will never really believe it. Because it is human being you want. So what is the argument? Oh. It can't be a problem. Because there's so much more. There's so much suffering. How about the disabled people? How about this? How about that? Now the point is this. The point is this. That, that doesn't prove that there's not a problem. That doesn't prove that there is not a God. All it says is that the idea that you have about God is probably the wrong one. And most of the time when I go with discussions with people on this issue, we find that they have, they think that what I am talking about is Christianity. So arguably that they used to argue to the Christians. Because Christianity teaches, and here's what I say, Christianity teaches, I'm not referring to the individual interpretation of some teachers which may differ from what I'm saying. But broadly, Christianity teaches, and certainly the Bible says, that God is love. It says God is love. And therefore the comes to the problem. When a Christian is confronted by the person of the atheist, when if God is now, like he claims, how come there is so much disease and how come there is so much suffering and how, much, how come there is so much pain? And in this regard, the atheist has a genuine complaint. Because this is not compatible. One is not compatible with the other. 
The consistency of the means through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing His grace. And it is also the means through which and by which we can learn the truth and the reality of the Creator's existence. The universe is like a sign, a book of signs, leading us to the conclusion of the reality of the Creator's existence. And also some other things that we can understand about God through the universe and observing the universe. We know there must be one word. And this is a simple conclusion that we come to. It is simple as you would like. First of all, such organization could not possibly be the product of two creators. If there are two creators, as the Quran mentioned, they would have filled with each other if each one would go up with what it created. And we never have been able to find such a magnificently constructed universe. The second is that if we examine the reason and process of the use before, and we said that everything in the universe has a need. The need that everything in the universe has is a need for something, someone to be done and to sustain and to maintain. And therefore we can conclude that the one who organized and created and brought into existence the universe cannot be the same as the universe and of the same nature as the universe. If the creator was of the same nature as the creation, then the creator would need a creator. And then that creator would also be a creator. But we are looking for the one who is the originator of all of these things. So that creator must be infinite. That creator must be selfish. That is why it is not possible. And it is not reasonable. And it is an open invitation for any atheist to say that a man is God, or God is a man. Because it simply contradicts everything that the universe tells us about God. Everything that our religion tells us about God. Indeed, everything in reality that true scripture tells us about God. The God is the infinite. Man is final. God is the eternal. Man is temporary. God is unseen. God is man visible. God is self-sufficient. God does not need to eat or drink or breathe. He doesn't need love. He doesn't need human worship. He is self-sufficient. Whereas the human beings, the Christians, are dependent. They need food, they need air. The very atoms of their bodies are kept together through the power of the creation. So the creation cannot be the creator, and the creator cannot be the creation, because we will deny the reality of his existence. So God cannot be a man. And any religion or ideology or philosophy that tells you such and such man is God, they will not be forced. 
It must be true. So why is that true? And this now we have to talk about, and if you haven't understood already, we are thinking primarily, not only, but primarily about Christianity. Because Christianity is a religion now that claims to believe in God. If in reality we find that Christianity in reality poses more questions and causes more questions to be asked than answers it provides. And one of the questions that I have found in the today, no Christian has been able to give you an answer, is a simple question. Why did God allow a world in which there was sin? Didn't God have the power to create the human beings and put them in paradise forever if he wanted to? And if God declared it is love, then why did he allow the world to be put in suffering? Why? And fundamentally, you find that Christians find it very difficult to answer these questions. Because they conflict with their ideology and their theology. There's a problem there. But in time, you find that the most beautiful answer to this. In has the most beautiful answer to this. Since Christianity tells us, that God, so they say, God is so righteous he cannot live upon the sin of man. God is so righteous he cannot live upon the sin of man. So, and now as you, as you think about it, it becomes next to uh, perhaps even absurd, that because God could not live upon the sin of man, he needs to come down as a man and die on the cross. Now, how was the sense that it's going to marry only on a good day? But how are we supposed to seek the difference from God? Why is there sin? How come God allows sin to take place? But Islam gives the answer. Because the existence of sin allows us to understand something about the reality of God. And this is a question of how to go along with the Indian government. He outlined it when he said that if you do not sin and repent from your sin, then Allah will remove you, Allah will remove you and you will bring another people who sin and do the repentance for their sins. Why? Because God created us. He created us and He made us with a nature that is natural that we will be inclined to do sin. And He put us in a world that it will be unavoidable that we would incline towards sin. But it is only through sinning and disobeying God and then turning to God and asking His forgiveness and repenting for our sins that we learn the reality that Allah is al Ghafur Rahim, that He is the forgiving and He is the Lord. 
And we learn that we know that we have a Creator who punishes for our sins and forgives us where we make And thus we learn about the mercy and the forgiveness of Allah. So we find that the Quran is teaching us the purpose of life. In fact, before I became a Muslim, about 10 or 11 years ago, I was brought up in a Roman Catholic mosque. My mother was originally from Poland and she wanted me to work out a Catholic. I was brought up in a Catholic, Roman Catholic, monastic school, where we studied the Bible. But for several different reasons, I could not accept what I was being told them. I could not accept the claim that they said Mary is the mother of God. Because how could it be that the one who has no beginning and no end, who is the eternal self-sufficient creator, could have been born of a woman? And if Mary was the mother of God, then she must be a greater God than God. And there were many other reasons that I could not accept what I was being told. And there were other reasons why I could not accept the materialistic value that I was being raised up of mine in my family. And I will say that I have bread, and I had bread about perhaps nearly every single religion. I practiced Buddhism. I studied Hinduism. I read books about philosophy, psychology, and many different books about many different religions. But there was only one book where I found a convincing answer to that question. Why are we here? What is the reason for our existence? What is the purpose of life? I found it in the Quran. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنْسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدِينَ In this book, that has been revealed by Allah, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. That was sent down to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over a period of 23 years. This is passed down to us with unbroken shame of all and written transmissions since the time of the Quran sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This book has told us that Allah, our Creator, has been told us the reason for which He built up and gave us existence. And if you think about it, brothers and sisters, how
how can we ever, how can we ever possibly reach certainty around this most important of all questions? How can we ever reach certainty about this most important of all questions unless the one who created us tells us? Everything else in reality you will understand is guesswork. The philosophers, what they have is guesswork. The materialists, what they have is guesswork. The people who meditate and the mystics have nothing except guesswork. There is no sense. But there is this, there is the, the real, the sovereign of one who gave us existence and brought us into existence tells us that this is the reason for which he created us, then we know this is the reason for which he is. So let me translate those words. For now, I have a question that I have to be said in that way. But Allah is saying that he has not created the Jews and we are tied to And the man and the human being, the human being, Allah has not created the human being except that we should choose to worship him. Now many people might say, say, you know, to worship God, is that what is the purpose of God? And that might be an understandable reaction from someone who is brought up in the West with a very narrow concept of worship. To them, or to many people in the West, we have the human idea that worship is going to the church on Sunday, going to mosque on Friday, you know, going to the synagogue on Saturday, you know, celebrating Christmas or the two years or whatever it is, and a few rituals and a few, and that is worship. But the term worship or ibadah in Arabic is something vast. Indeed, it is something all comprehensive. And one of the great scholars of Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, he defined this word ibadah. He defined this word worship. He said that worship, or this is more or less the meaning of what he said. He said that worship is everything which Allah, the Creator, the God, everything which Allah loves and approves of. Whether it is the belief, the thought, the saying, or the action. So that you can even believe something. That God, Allah, the Creator loves and you prove so, or you can believe something other than that. If you believe what you love, if you believe what you prove so, it is worship. If you have in your mind the thought that God loves and approves so, it is worship. If you have other than that, it is not worship. If you say the word and bring forth the speech, that Allah loves the creator, loves the creator, it is worship. If you do the actions that Allah loves and approves of, it is worship. 
So this is something more comprehensive. And as the Jew once said in one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad, for long reasons. His name was Abu Huraira. Your messenger, your prophet, teaches you everything. He even tells you how to go to the moon. How to go to the moon. And Abu Huraira said yes. He said yes. He teaches us that when we go to the planet, we don't face and we don't turn our back towards the Kibla, the direction of time. And the when we have fish, we clean ourselves between the three stones for them. Because as Muslims, everything in the life can be either a worship for Allah or something other than that. So the purpose of life is to make your whole life a worship for Allah. The purpose of existence is to make sure that all your sayings and all your beliefs and all your thoughts and all your actions are sayings and beliefs and thoughts and actions that are pleased and good and more and more creator. And that we should do those things. We should each do those things. This is the powerful one. This is the powerful one. This is the real jihad. You hear this word jihad. But really, jihad means to struggle with the utmost of your ability. And the Prophet said, the best jihad is the jihad you make against yourself. This is the struggle of life. To make yourself a worshiper of Allah. And to lead and abandon the work of the full God. Those things that we put our faith and our hope and our trust in. Don't think that money, fame, fortune, our desire and our passion, other human beings, even prophets and saints, we put our faith in a trust of we should direct all our worship to the community alone. But how do we know? How do we know how to worship Allah? How do we know how to worship this God? Do we not worry about it and deserve of it? Do we get? Do we get? Do we think for ourselves? Do we imagine for ourselves? Well, maybe God will like this, and maybe God will like that, and maybe we'll do it like this, maybe we'll do it like that. And all praise is due to Allah, He didn't leave us in the state of confusion. But God says within our hearts and our souls, the drive to be His worshippers, the inclination to be His worshippers. And just like He gave us the inclination, the feeling of hunger, He gave us food to satisfy our hunger. He gave us the feeling of thirst, He gave us this to quench our He gave us the feeling of love and affection, and He gave us wives and husbands, companions, to satisfy their urge for love and companionship. Similarly, Allah gave us the bride to be worshippers, to be His worshippers, and He did not leave us without the means to satisfy that desire. That is why he sent prophets. That is why he sent messengers. That's why he sent Abraham, and Noah, and Moses, 
and Jacob and Jesus and Mohammed because it's a lesson to the conversion. Do we believe as Muslims came with the same message, the same religion, the same fundamental message, that we should direct our worship in all aspects of our lives to Allah the Creator alone? And that we should use the word of the first God. And they came to teach us how to worship God. They came to teach us what are the limits, what are the things that God wants us to believe about Him. What is it that Allah the Creator wants us to believe? What are the thoughts that He likes us to have? What is the speech that He loves us to say? What are the actions that He loves us to do and that He approves of? He didn't leave it for us in death. He sent to us and in this day and age, the final and last messenger, he sent to us Muhammad to teach us how to worship the Creator of the And they also came, all of the prophets. And our final messenger Muhammad came to warn us also and to remind us also of the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality that this life is a test, but there is a day when we receive the response of this test. There is a day that we will be raised up, naked, barefooted, and uncircumcised. We will not have any money, we will not have any possessions, but we will have nothing with us except our deeds and every single atom's weight of good that we have done we will know about it. And every single atom's weight of evil that we have done we will know about it. It is the day of standing, doing what is beyond, the day of reckoning, the day of accounting, the day of session, a promised day, a day that Allah has promised through all of His messages, a day that Allah has described in details in His book. A day of the return, my brothers and sisters, it will turn the hair of children gray. That a woman who is feeding her child will abandon her child. A woman who is pregnant will miscarriage from the fear and the terror of that day. When mankind will run as a drunken, as if they're in a drunken way from the fear and the terror of that day. When the sun will be brought close to our heads, and people will be up to some of them in that country, some to their knees, some to their waist, some to their and some bridal to sweat. From the fear of that day, when mankind will be assembled in groups, and they will be brought, and all of us, you and me, will be brought forth for session. And there is the hellfire. The hellfire that is a real, physical place that has all ready been created and it all ready existed. Allah said with his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam both in the Quran and in the prophetic saying, description of this place, that how its inhabitants, their skins will be burned and recreated and rebirthed. How they will call for water 
and we will set a up where no one suffered over school dedication that is going out there. There is a tree in this hellfire which is the tree of the food. This is a food which are like heads of devils and is so bitter that when you try to eat it, you will hardly be able to form it. But she is forced and the people of the devil force themselves. Force themselves. The people never wonder. But the people who make the meal thirsty, they will cry again. And they will get the drink. Boiling water. Burning their faces and pulling them inside. And how long will it go on? A week? A month? A year? A decade? A century? A millennium? For those who have rejected things, for those who have rejected the worship of their Lord and their Creator, it will never, ever, 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 ever be. Never. This is the reality about which Allah has warned us. This is the end result of the text of life. And then there is paradise. There is a place where there is no suffering, no age, no argument, no futility, no disease, where there is peace and happiness and tranquility. Where there are gardens with rivers of honey and milk and wine. Where the spirit of mock and a heavy or a precious thing. Where the inhabitants will be served by leaves, like scattered clothes, with flowers on silver cushions dressed in thick with golden bodies, drinking from the fountains of heaven, greeted by the angels, meeting the prophets from the market of Malaysia. And the world of supreme joys and blessings of paradise, the greatest and the most supreme joy is to be able to look upon the face of our Lord Allah Muhammad. And of all the sufferings and the torments of hell, the world will be the knowledge of its inhabitants that they have been deprived of looking upon the face of Allah Muhammad. This is the reality about which the prophet came to him. And no one else will go to hell except they chose it. No one will go to hell except they chose themselves to be there. Because Allah will say to the people of the day of judgment, enough is your own soul to condemn yourself. Enough is your own soul. Allah will not even judge anybody. Enough is your own soul to bring yourself to account. And there is not one person in paradise, not one, except that they do not deserve to be there. And that they have entered into paradise and being entered into paradise through the mercy of Allah subhanahu Brothers and sisters, the truth is you. The truth is yours. Take the path that you want to take. But this is the reason of the reason for which we have been created. 
والله خلق الجن والانس بالله المعبودين بالحب الخليفي في الشور تمشي الله بتقدر تطيب او تقدر الالاف تمشي 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 In conclusion, we ask Allah that He brings you benefit through this lecture. For more information, you may contact us through the following address. The Islamic Propagation Office, Rabwa, P.O. Box 29465, Riyadh 11457, Saudi Arabia. Phone 445-4900, also 491-6065. Facts 497-0126. If you would like to listen to more beneficial lectures, feel free to visit our website at www.islamhouse.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.